Welcome back to Set Free 24-7. I'm Robert, and as we gear up for today's episode, The Spiritual Tug of War, be prepared for some divine rope burns and some revelations. We're not just playing games here. We are diving deep into the Word to find our balance amidst the push and pull of life. In Matthew 24, we're going to be decoding Jesus' prophecies, which, spoiler alert here, might just have a thing or two to say about our modern world. Who said that ancient texts can't be modern guides? Mm -hmm. And in Romans 7, this is the very heart of our episode's title, prepare to understand the dance between law and sin, and see if grace might just be the referee that we all need in this celestial tug of war. Then we're going to go back to Psalm 57. We get a front row seat here to David's heart. Think of it as a, a tuning into the soulful radio station of David's top shelter hits, heartwarming, honest, and evergreen. And then lastly, Numbers 23 through 25 is going to bring us the tale of Balaam, a prophet who reminds us sometimes the universe has its own set of GPS directions for us even if we try to reroute it. So brace yourselves for an enlightening adventure through these passages with a sprinkle of humor and a lot of soul searching. As we dive in, remember this. Each scripture offers keys to unlock chains, which sets our spirits free. Now it's your turn to live in that freedom. So thanks for joining us today on this journey through the message. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. Hey, love. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. Do you love how ready I was for you the intro? You were so ready. I mean, we we did have a... <laughs> We had a few hiccups the last few times, so I love that you were just, you were waiting on every word I was saying. I was hooked from word to word, right to the pause, wait for it, and I was waiting and ready. So this past week has been a busy week for us, but not too busy to take our day of rest. Yes, we did that. We did. We did do that. Would and you like to describe it and talk about it just briefly? So we had a good day of rest on Sunday, I believe. But yes. then we also took a very intentional day on Monday, which mm -hmm. was Labor Day. Mm -hmm. And we took, I have this new <laughs> e-bike that... <laughs> It's uh, it's crazy. This thing will go up to, I think, like 50 miles an hour. Yeah. It's got a hundred mile range mm -hmm. or so on it. And it's got a big enough seat on the thing that Heidi and I can comfortably fit on this thing. With an enormous backpack in the middle that has the charger in it. Yeah. So we ended up <laughs> taking the bike just on an impromptu ride mm -hmm. up to Edmore and the trails. We went on the trails. We were yes. very respectful. So to everybody that uses trails, believe me, I'm a runner on these trails. Mm -hmm. I get it. I don't want somebody zipping past me going 50 miles an hour on those trails either. So right. I try to be very, very respectful, very cognizant of right. what's on the trails, who's on the trails. But we had such a good time just going, it was about 25, 30 mm -hmm. miles an hour, and we were just coasting up on those trails. It's beautiful. It was gorgeous. We saw wildlife, mm -hmm. the fields, the just the pieces of certain cities that you normally don't see when you go through yes. on a car. Yes. And we ended up in Edmore. We had never been there before. Sleepy we get little into town. This, yeah. We get in there and we find this little community center. Mm -hmm. 
and they had a plug outside. So I was able to plug in my bike and we went up to this <laughs> gas station and I think we bought what, maybe 10 or $15 worth of yes, snacks, we got just a couple, all of our little you know, favorite things. Got some drinks and snacks and... And then we went back over to this community center yeah. and while the bike was sitting there charging, we sat under this tree and it's beautiful shade. Yes. We overlooked this pond and we sat and had a little gas station picnic. We did. <laughs> it was so good. We did. And just sat and watched a documentary on this mm-hmm. uh, thing that we like watching and it was great. It was really good. And then after that was done, we packed up, threw our trash away, and uh, made sure we left no trace. That's right. Leave it better yep. than it was. And uh, just got back on the bike and, and came home. It got was some good. tomatoes from a friend of oh, ours, made some great soup. tomato soup. I mean, it was amazing. So um, an it amazing day. The best part about that day was we really didn't do anything that was work related for either of us it was there wonderful was no editing there was no uploading there was none of it it was just a day of disconnecting connecting with each other yes what was the hardest part about taking a day off i don't think it was hard it was just being very intentional i mm-hmm. think of uh this is how i want this day to look right and not allowing anything to creep into that like i was just gonna ask how often did you get those thoughts well i could be doing this or i should get home and do this or maybe i'll have enough time to quit it's weird like my when i make up my mind on something like uh, this is going to be my time off like i i just have this barrier like i am good i don't know if it's a com like a compartmentalized Mm -hmm. thing or uh, but i'm able to really just shut it off that's good and say I'm going to be present in this moment because I knew down in the heart of hearts I also knew that that was important to do it is and so it is we had a great time on the bike though yes um I just have to do one disclaimer because I know there may be some of those people we talked face to face and had a conversation with a police officer explained exactly what it is that we have (laughs) there are pedals on it it is no gas engine no motor and he said we should have absolutely no problem being on that trail just be respectful and he goes there should be zero issues so i just want everyone to know that we were committed to making (laughs) sure we were doing the right thing the bike is called cyber x yes uh i guess the website is something like Mm xion dot bike or something like that i'll throw a link down in the comments if you want to take a look at it but if if you see something that looks like (laughs) your ninth grader or maybe your high schooler got some giant erector set in created this thing in the garage with LEDs and added a bunch of lights the ability to play music and futuristic looking while also looking like a garage project you have found it and it's That's pretty it. glorious so. it's fun it is fun and then last night we oh, had yes. the absolute distinct pleasure privilege opportunity mm-hmm. all of those things to be a part of the black tie and blue jeans event yes. at Roanoke Ranch. So fun. Heidi and I have spoken there for the last couple of years. Uh, they really do a great job of serving at-risk youth uh, yes. here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They sure do. Uh, man, they have some really great horse programs. Mm-hmm. And it's so good to hear some of the stories that come out of there about 
kids that come in with that really tough shell because yes. they can't trust anybody. These kids are broken that, and hurting. That one list that we saw where it was talking about, this was this girl's list of things and like reasons why she couldn't trust, right? And number two on the list was rape. And then a couple further down, it was molestation. And then there was something else. Miscarriage. Can I just clarify one thing? Yeah. That wasn't a list that was written of reasons she couldn't trust God. That was the list she created of things she needed to trust God about. Oh, okay. Just a little bit. The wording was unusual, but I I clarified that. And that was a list that she made personally saying, I need to trust God with these things. Yeah. So everything from rape, molestation, abuse, abandonment, foster care, you name it. Can I share how old this young girl is? Sure. 14. And she's experienced all of this. Yeah. Now let that sink in. Just think about that and let it sink in. So this ranch does such a great job with different community centers and stuff like that that will come in or different ministries that will come in with people that they're serving. And they do these amazing programs. And the horses just have a way. They do. It's unexplainable, Mm. but I have seen it over and over again where those horses just have a way of breaking down some of those barriers. And by the time... That child is getting a little bit more comfortable. Now, all of a sudden, you can't pull them away from that mm-hmm. horse. Where before, they're like, ah, I'm not doing that, and that's stupid. Yeah, and, you know, they're whatever. big, they're stinky, uh, yeah. they're whatever. But by the end of uh, them being there in that program, just the transformation uh, that happens, Remarkable. and it's a beautiful thing. The beautiful piece of property, stunning, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. And the herd of horses they have. Um, There's about 20 currently, plus two small ponies and a couple goats and the cutest little donkey I ever did see and some (laughs) sheep, cows um, on 100 acres of just glorious, beautiful acreage, beautiful setting. But what happens on that property is beautiful. And kudos and hats off to two people who own a little slice of heaven on earth Mm. who have made it their ministry to pour into broken at-risk children. Yeah, And I am all about it. I am just such a fan. Aaron and Ginger Decker, you're amazing and the community is blessed by you. Thank you so much for everything that you do and for allowing us to be a little piece of it. So if you want to check out Roanoke Ranch, we will be sure to put a link down in the comments or the description mm-hmm. of this podcast. Uh, check out their ministry. They're really Please doing do. some great things. Whether you're in Grand Rapids or not, mm-hmm. it's really something good that's happening right here in this little small yes. town and making a difference in so many kids' lives. So, yes. If you're the donating kind, they could use the, yeah. you know, just help them support and keep this program going. And we had a great time last night. Heidi ended up, uh, you know, one of the ways that Heidi is putting herself through ministry and also being able to fund certain things that she does with ministry is uh, she loves to sew. Mm -hmm. And we started making bow ties about a year or so ago. Yes, you needed to be accessorized. So you have made some really fun bow ties. And we try to take old ties that maybe your old grandpa's ties, mm-hmm. right? We have people donate them to us all the time, which is very heartwarming in yes, and of itself. I'll take all the ties. If and you have ties, so we have these ties now and Heidi will chop them up 
and then just create some of the best bow ties out of them. I mean, they have like leather centers and some of them have leather pieces in the back as like accents. And I mean, these ties come out looking like a million bucks. And she gave the president of the board, Mike Vanderplug, mm-hmm. and she also gave uh, Aaron Decker a yes. tie last night, and they were amazing. They looked great on these guys. They have no idea how heartwarming it was to me that they took this just this little gift, and I explained this was just my way of saying thank you for yes. what you're doing and for letting us be part of it. Um, not even, I'm, I didn't even care whatever you do with these. I just wanted them to see them and say, these two people came and just wanted us to know how amazing this place is. Yeah. That was just a thing. But on top of that, as I explained, those ties represent transformation. Absolutely. And that's what happens at this ranch. And that's why I wanted them to have this. I took something that most people are ready to throw away and get rid of. And through some transformation, and it didn't take a lot, just a little time and attention, and it gets turned into something that I think are beautiful and useful. And, you know, it's like that new life. And that happens at that ranch, and that's what I'm going into in my life. So Mm. it really meant a lot to me that they both immediately put them on. They had other ties on. They did. They they were dressed and ready. These are coming off. And I I got to put them on both of them. Mm -hmm. They said, I would love it if you would help me with this. So Mike and Aaron, I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this, but uh, it's just our way of saying thank you. Thank you. uh, For honoring that little piece of transformation. That's uh, what your ranch does. And we hope that uh, that's just a subtle reminder whenever you see that tie that the work that you're doing there truly does matter. Yes. And uh, we are just, we are happy to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm going to run into a prayer here real quick. Perfect. I know. I don't know why I use the word run, but. Uh, oh, you're going to find out in a minute. So, am I? Okay. Yes. Well, I'm excited. So let's run into this prayer. Father God, you're the best. You are exceedingly greater than what our small little minds can ever comprehend. And you have blessed us with so many things. I could spend an entire podcast just starting to list off blessings. Thank you. We are grateful for everything that you have done in our lives, for the transformations that you have done in our lives, and that you're still continuing to do. We wake up every morning grateful for another day, And we're also excited to see how you are going to transform us. We haven't arrived yet. We don't even think we're close. But you're there on that journey with us. Every step of the way, making us just a little bit more like your son who came to die for us. Mm -hmm. So bless us today in this reading. Bless our listeners today. I know there's probably somebody out there that is wondering, when am I going to get my transformation? When am I going to see something change in my life? And I just want you to give them that peace and that encouragement and that little bit of hope today that says, just hang on and I've got you. So, Father God, thank you for uh, the ability to do this podcast and just this opportunity. We appreciate it. And please bless our listeners today. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you. You are welcome. It's almost like you read this chapter I'm going to read now. And and I did not, I I promise. So, yes, I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, so Heidi's going to be starting out today. We are in Matthew chapter 24. She's going to be reading verses 15 through 35. All right, here we go. And this is titled, The Monster of Desecration. But be ready to run for it when you see the monster of desecration set up in the temple sanctuary. The prophet Daniel described this. If you've read Daniel, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're living in Judea at the time, run for the hills. If you're working in the yard, don't return to the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go back and get your coat. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Hope and pray that this won't happen during the winter or on a Sabbath. This is going to be trouble on a scale beyond what the world has ever seen or will see again. If these days of trouble were left to run their course, nobody would make it. But on account of God's chosen people, the trouble will be cut short. If anyone tries to flag you down calling out, here's the Messiah, or points out, there he is, don't fall for it. Fake messiahs and lying preachers are going to pop up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Their impressive credentials and bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. But I've given you fair warning. So if they say, run to the country and see them arrive, or quick, get downtown, see them come, don't give them the time of day. The arrival of the Son of Man isn't something you go to see. He comes like swift lightning to you. Whenever you see crowds gathering, think of carrion vultures circling, moving in, hovering over a rotting carcass. You can be quite sure that it's not the living Son of Man pulling in these crowds. Following those hard times, sun will fade out, moon cloud over, stars fall out of the sky, and the cosmic powers tremble. Then, the arrival of the Son of Man. It will fill the skies. No one will miss it. Unready people all over the world, outsiders to the splendor and power, will raise a huge lament as they watch the Son of Man blazing out of heaven. At that same moment, he'll dispatch his angels with a trumpet blast summons, pulling in God's chosen from the four winds from pole to pole. Take a lesson from the fig tree. From the moment you notice its buds form, the merest hint of green, you know summer's just around the corner. So it is with you. When you see all these things, you'll know he's at the door. Don't take this lightly. I'm not just saying this for some future generation, but for all of you. This age continues until all these things take place. Sky and earth will wear out. My words, they won't wear out. Some heavy stuff. It really is. I've I've been fighting tears reading this. Mm. Imagining what it's going to be like. For the ones lamenting, yeah, it's too late. I thought of that too. Just these people that may have heard, but flippantly said, eh, that Jesus stuff ain't for me. That Christian stuff ain't for me. And now all of a sudden to have it 
right there. Proof is in the pudding. Right. Right in front of you. Nobody will miss it. Everybody will see right. it. Right. And for, yeah, that that feeling of, oh my goodness, I made the wrong decision. You know, how do you, I mean, you and I have both made at least one wrong decision in our life. I'm, you know, I might have, you know, a little bit messed around the corner of sure, bad decisions, sure. but I've never jumped so into ba- them. Think back to that one wrong decision that you made. And like, mm. how did you feel when you, when you realized, oh, son of a gun. <laughs> I made the wrong decision, you know, yeah. like that feeling. Now multiply that. Yes. By infinity. Yeah. Because of how important the decision is to follow Jesus. Yeah. The questions that I had here for today were, if you could chat with Jesus about the future, what is one thing that you might ask him? Hmm. Uh, the other one was, how can we stay hopeful and strong even when things around us seem confusing or scary. Hmm. That's that faith like a child aspect. Mm. And it's recognizing and believing before you see proof of that those moments in your life, those difficult times, those were allowed to come into your life because God knows that you are equipped through him to get through it. He knows. It doesn't mean you're not going to doubt. It doesn't mean it's going to be hard, but God allows those Mm -hmm. to people who believe in God, who trust him. And those things are used to benefit you and to teach you to fulfill the calling and purpose that God has for your life. And if you doubt my words, I would love to sit down and have a conversation about my life because I will lay it out wide open before you. Mm -hmm. The absolute proof of that. The absolute proof. I I don't look back at my life with anger, with unfairness, with why, none of it. I am finding now that in my present, I am thanking God for being with me every step of the way, even through the hardest of times and equipping me to be a minister because he's called me to that. And my journey required some education. Mm-hmm. That And God allowed it. He didn't put me in it. He didn't bring me to the bad. He didn't want the suffering, but he allowed it to happen because God knows me. And he knew. I didn't know, but God knew. Mm-hmm. So that's just my encouragement to you. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. Don't look at it in big chunks. Be present in the moment and then look at that moment on the timeline of eternity. It's so tiny. Yeah. You've got this. You're on the winning team already. You did. It doesn't mean it won't be hard, but it means you're going to get through it. Yeah. And now, friends, we're going to be bouncing up to Romans. I'll be reading out of chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. If you want to follow along in your favorite translation, we read out of the message version because it's just a little more conversational. Mm-hmm. I Some love people it. haven't heard uh, these verses mm-hmm. before in this version. And this is just a paraphrase of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson, unfortunately. So it would be, would be nice if he was here and we could uh, send him messages or uh, that sort of thing. But I'm sure he's somewhere up in the lofties. I'm sure I would ask Jesus if he could just tell Eugene that. His writing has blessed me, and thank you for being faithful. 
Yeah. He's done a beautiful thing. I was introduced to the message version when I was in prison. I had read through the Bible a couple times and I was looking for a fresh set of eyes on the Bible. And I've always had a hard time reading through some of the books that are in the Old Testament. It's just <laughs> it's the Old hard. Testament stuff is just, it, is. it feels like you're chewing through it. And, mm-hmm. um, and the message version gave me a fresh almost vigor for like reading through some of the Old Testament and the way that it uh, was written. So, uh, but today we are in Romans chapter seven. I'm reading one through 12. The section is titled torn between one way and another. That's that tug of war. I've been there talking about. So you shouldn't have any trouble understanding this friends for you all know the ins and outs of the law, how it works and how its power touches only the living. For instance, a wife is legally tied to her husband while he lives, but if he dies, she's free. If she lives with another man while her husband is living, she is obviously an adulteress, but if he dies, she is quite free to marry another man in good conscience, with no one's disapproval. So my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, He took that entire rule-dominated way of life down with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. Hmm. For as long as we lived that old way of life doing whatever we felt we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. And this made us all the more rebellious. In the end, all we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. But now that we're no longer shackled to that domineering mate of sin, and out from under all of those oppressive regulations and fine print, we are free to live a new life in the freedom of God. But I can hear you say, if the law code was as bad as all that, it's no better than sin itself. That's certainly not true. The law code had a perfectly legitimate function. Without its clear guidelines for right and wrong, moral behavior would be mostly guesswork. Apart from the succinct surgical command, you shall not covet, I would have dressed covetousness up to look like a virtue and then ruined my life with it. Mm. Don't you remember how it was? I do perfectly well. The law code started out as an excellent piece of work. What happened, though, was that sin found a way to pervert the command into a temptation, making a piece of forbidden fruit out of it. The law code, instead of being used to guide me, was now used to seduce me. Without all the paraphernalia of the law code, sin looked pretty dull and lifeless, and I went along without paying much attention to it. But once sin got its hands on the law code and decked itself out in all that finery, I was fooled and fell for it. The very command that was supposed to guide me into life was cleverly used to trip me up, throwing me headlong. So sin was plenty alive, and I was stone dead. But the law code itself is God's good and common sense, each command sane and holy counsel. And that, my friends, is where we end. That was beautiful. 
I caught myself suddenly thinking, I cannot imagine these Jews suddenly waking up one day saying, we don't have to bring a sacrifice. Mm. We're not going to the temple every day. We don't have to do these ritualistic, what? Yeah. Can I, all of a sudden it struck me the impact that made on their day-to-day lives. All of the, like hundreds of laws. I mean, all of the little Mm. nitpicky things, right? Yes. Like all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, yeah, I took care of all that. It's fulfilled. You're going to live like this. Now go tell people. But now deep down, because you've grown up with something, like let's say you've grown up living a certain way or seeing certain things all the time. Mm -hmm. And now you go and there's something completely outside of that. And you're like, this is completely foreign to me. You just, you almost want to revert back to what is normal and comfortable in your mind. I know. I'm, I'm awed by the first Christians, the decision to believe and to put their faith in that belief the way they did is astonishing to me. Now think of that in terms of addiction. Mm. People that Mm. live these lives, let's say you're addicted to, let's just throw out cocaine. okay? Okay. So you're addicted to cocaine and you're doing all these behaviors associated with that. And let's say you've been addicted for 10, 15 years, 20 years. It's your life. That's your life. All of the crazy hustle bustle, all of the going in and out of jail, maybe in and out of some rehabs, maybe losing some jobs, family family members, all Mm -hmm. of this stuff, the craziness of all the drug people being in your life. And now you get sober. Now what? And now that changes. But deep down, you've had 15 or 20 years of this, (laughs) even though the life was crazy. Yes. You knew how to navigate that life. Comfortable in the discomfort. Right, right. So now what? So now you've got this sober person trying to navigate their way through this completely Mm. foreign land. Thank you for bringing this to everyone's attention I try to tell people our expectations often for them is just like if somebody were to come to us and say, okay, this is your life now, but this is you now and starting tomorrow, you have to live Muslim. Sure. What? (laughs) Right. How do you do that? Right. It's foreign. I don't know anything about it. And I don't care if you're 50 years old. Yeah. You cannot look at them and expect that all of a sudden, like a light switch, They're going to have a home and a job and be productive and never any issues with, you know, their sobriety and everything's going to be great. Come on. Yay. That's not realistic in any way, shape or form. And that's not loving them. You, and I'm saying that and including myself Mm -hmm. in it, have set them up to fail. Yeah. We need to encourage and walk alongside because they need to see that life modeled so they can understand how they can have that life. Right. The expectation can't be, all right, now you got to be a productive member of society right. and you got to get a job and a bank account and start yeah. paying your bills. And any all of those things are part of the building blocks of life. Yes. But you have to remember, like sometimes these people that maybe have been in addiction for 10, 15, yes. 20 years, those actions haven't been a part of their life. Right. I mean, I went 
probably at least a decade without paying any bills. I mean, I, for, you the way I mean? you like, live life isn't even remotely the norm. Yeah. In society, it's not teaching any skills that will help you function successfully in quote unquote, you know, the normal society. Yeah. And it hurts my heart because we as Christians, we judge so harshly. We judge everyone on the same basis as if they're all mature, adult, professing Christians who've grown up their entire life in church and understand it. The Bible speaks about that. We are never, never to judge somebody who is either a non-believer or brand new to the faith the same way that we would hold somebody else accountable that's been in church their entire life. Right. And we do it all the time. And it's time to start loving these broken, hurting people who are trying to do life right. It's time to start living a life of Jesus love towards them. Yes. I get it. And I'm I'm struggling to keep, I need to keep my tone nice. This is a huge frustration for me. Yeah. And I struggle with what I see coming out of churches and from people that I love dearly. And I know they love God, and I know that church means a great deal to them, but they're not doing it right. In Jesus, really, it's not complicated. It isn't difficult, but step off our pedestals Mm. and get on level ground with them because that's where God sees us. And we've really made a big mistake elevating ourselves, saying, look up to us and get up here. No, we weren't called to drag people up to us. We were called to get down to them. Amen. And now I'm all done with my (laughs) mini sermons. And on that note, (laughs) friends, we are going to rewind back to Psalms and Heidi is going to be picking up here in Psalm chapter 57. I feel like this is a personal one for me and it's beautiful. Psalm 57. This is a David Psalm and this was written when he hid in a cave from Saul. Be good to me, God. And now I've run to you for dear life. I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over. I call out to high God. The God who... I call out to high God, the God who holds me together. He sends orders from heaven and he saves me. He humiliates those who kick me around. God delivers generous love and he makes good on his word. I find myself in a pride of lions who are wild for a taste of human flesh. Their teeth are lances and arrows and their tongues are sharp daggers. Soar high in the skies, O God, and cover the whole earth with your glory. They booby-trapped my path, and I thought I was dead and done for. They dug a man-trap to catch me and fell in headlong themselves. I'm ready, God. I'm so ready. I'm ready from head to toe. I'm ready to sing. I'm ready to raise a tune. Wake up, soul. Wake up, harp. Wake up, lute. Wake up, you sleepyhead son. I'm thanking you, God, out loud in the streets, singing your praises in town and country. The deeper your love, the higher it goes. Every cloud 
is a flag to your faithfulness. Soar high in the skies, O God, and cover the whole earth with your glory. Amen. What a beautiful psalm. The questions that I had on that psalm were, if you could write a song about your feelings today, what would the chorus of that song be? And then the other one is, how can I trust in God to be like a safe and cozy shelter on a rainy day? You know, on those what rainy days. What a beautiful days. word picture that is. Yeah. Where you can just hear it, but it's a sound that's pleasing and it's comforting and it's relaxing and you're safe and dry and safe secure. Safe and dry, yeah. And that's where we are when we run back to God, right? We're safe and dry. How did David know that he was writing for me? So. <laughs> it's an amazing thing how uh, these guys, you know, writing this stuff down thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah. You know, to put it into perspective here, you know, America's been around for a few hundred years, maybe 400 or something like that. So the earth, right, has been around for, well, I mean, let's just say at least six, seven, eight thousand, something like that. So, you know, so here we are 400 years in thinking we are just the nation of it all. And we're really not. We, we're we so... We're such a baby We're so on the haughty. Earth. Can you use that word? <laughs> I we're know. so haughty. And, but we are such babies. And I, we but we are blessed. And this is definitely a an amazing place to live. I mean, if I was to sit down and look at a map and say, you know, where do I want to live? Anywhere in the world. I still feel like even with all the things that are crazy and what we feel may be wrong with society and mm -hmm. and the pressures and temptations and all the other stuff that's going on in America, I would still choose to live here. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And um, after reading some of what we've read, like what we started with, talking about what it's going to be like, it's almost going to be harder for us who live in such wealth and such comfort and have everything we need at our fingertips. Going through hard times is not anything that we're equipped for in this country. Mm. Because we we and may the persecution. Think, we yeah. may think it's so horrible and it's so awful. We just read this is nothing compared to what's coming. Nothing. And I like how all three chapters so far that we've read out of have all had that theme of that spiritual tug of war. Yeah. Right? There's this there's this balance and you can feel the pull and the push and the mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I I just love David how he starts out just with the reality. I'm hiding in a cave. Yeah. I am the king. <laughs> I am hiding in a cave, hiding for dear life and this is going on for years. Like yeah, this wasn't years. A, we're hiding out in a cave this weekend. Yes, and right. he had the opportunity to kill who was trying to kill him. He cut a piece of his cloak off while he was sleeping. David did. Yeah. He could have killed him and been done with it, but he didn't because that would have been wrong. He showed us trust. I am trusting God with his plan. 
So how many times, because we heard a a recent story of someone that uh, had a little bit of trust issues, I think, with God's plan and God's timing. Mm. Are you talking about me? No, 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 no. This was, uh, so, you know, we, it's basically that that person was given some advice to wait and the next day they ignored that advice oh. and took matters into their own hands and Went really sideways. made and just made and it was a mess like it what was. happened was really messy yeah. and when confronted they were just like well this is what i felt i needed to do to to be in control of the right. situation and you know i get it being in control and wanting yes. that but we man, need to God's replace timing. that one word in the sentence that i mm-hmm. replace that word with god and that changes yeah. everything that's going to be my challenge in all my i stuff i'm going to say god what does god want yeah. what would he do i read this from david we love the psalms and david speaks the most beautiful words he was so gifted and every single one of us would move over in church to make room for King David to sit next mm-hmm. to us. And we'd be sitting in church next to a murdering rapist. Yeah. So do you have other murderers and rapists that you allow to sit in your church and do you move down for them? I had to challenge my thinking on that. And I can say I do now. <laughs> How many of the Psalms that we sing the songs that we yes. sing are are based on psalms yes that david wrote yes so to know like i am singing praises in my church on sunday written written by, by a, a, murdering a murdering rapist, rapist. Yeah. yeah i i sometimes have to remind myself of that because he's held up as i mean he's Obviously, mm-hmm. he's in the Bible for mm-hmm. a reason. Absolutely. But he's learn in the Bible. The, learn the lesson and the reason why David is put in the position that he was, even with what he'd done. And friends, now we're <laughs> going to go all the way back to Numbers. We're going to see what's up with Balaam here. I'm going to be starting out in Numbers chapter 23, and we're going to be reading 23, 24 and 25. Ooh. Yeah, we got a little bit of numbers here, so buckle up. Okay. Wow, you got some words today. Yeah. All right, so Numbers 23, Balaam said, Build me seven altars here and then prepare seven bulls and seven rams. Balak did it. Then Balaam and Balak sacrificed a bull and a ram on each of the altars. Balaam instructed Balak, Stand watch here beside your whole burnt offering while I go off by myself. Maybe God will come and meet with me. Whatever he shows or tells me, I'll report to you. And then he went off by himself. God did meet with Balaam. Balaam said, I've set up seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then God gave Balaam a message. Return to Balak and give him this message. He went back and found him stationed beside his whole burnt offering and with him all of the nobles of Moab. Then Balaam spoke his message oracle. Balak led me here from Aram, the king of Moab all the way from the eastern mountains. Go curse Jacob for me. Go damn Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I damn who God has not damned? From rock pinnacles I see them. From hilltops I survey them. Look! 
a people camping off by themselves, thinking themselves outsiders among nations. But who could ever count the dust of Jacob or take a census of cloud of dust Israel? I want to die like these right-living people. I want an end just like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, What's this? I brought you here to curse my enemies, and all you've done is bless them. Balaam answered, Don't I have to be careful to say what God gives me to say? Balak said to him, Go with me another place from which you can only see the outskirts of their camp. You won't be able to see the whole camp. From there, curse them for my sake. So he took him to Watchman's Meadow at the top of the Pisgah. He built seven altars there and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Take up your station here beside your whole burnt offering while I meet with him over there. God met with Balaam and gave him a message. He said, Return to Balak and give him the message. Balaam returned and found him stationed beside his whole burnt offering and the nobles of Moab with him. Balak said to him, What did God say? Then Balaam spoke his message oracle. On your feet, Balak, listen. Listen carefully, son of Zippor. God is not man, one given to lies, and not a son of man changing his mind. Does he speak and not do what he says? Does he promise and not come through? I was brought here to bless, and now he's blessed. How can I change that? He has no bone to pick with Jacob. He sees nothing wrong with Israel. God is with them, and they are with him, shouting praises to their king. God brought them out of Egypt, rampaging like a wild ox. No magic spells can bind Jacob. No incantations can hold back Israel. People will look at Jacob and Israel and say, What a great thing God has done. Look, a people rising to its feet, stretching like a lion, a king of the beasts, aroused, unsleeping, unresting until its hunt is over, and it's eaten and drunk its fill. Balak said to Balaam, Well, if you can't curse them, at least don't bless them. (laughs) Balaam replied to Balak, Didn't I tell you earlier? All God speaks, and only what he speaks I speak. Balak said to Balaam, Please, let me take you to another place. Maybe we can find the right place in God's eyes where you'll be able to curse them for me. So Balak took Balaam over to the top of Peor with a vista over the Jashimon, which is also known as Wasteland. Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars here for me and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for sacrifice. Balak did it and presented an offering of a bull and a ram on each of the altars. And that's the end of chapter 23 there. I find it interesting just how he's not getting it. He's he's just not getting it. Like God is not going to allow a curse. I know. On that, sorry. He's like, I brought you here and paid you money, and you are supposed to be telling them that they're cursed, and you keep blessing them, and I keep building altars and keep giving you offerings. I was and- just thinking that, like, man, I don't know what was all involved in an altar, but it seems like a lot of preparation. Like, I got to build this altar, and then they're slaughtering yep. these animals to go on these altars, and God's like, 
Yeah, I don't even see that or smell any of that or, you know, it's just, eh, I'm good. So, yeah, you're not cursing my yeah, people. Yeah, you're not cursing my people. And there's that spiritual tug of war, right? <laughs> but did he accept that offering because Balaam listened to God? He went to God. He offered to God. He sacrificed to God and asked God for what it was that he was to say. And God sure. gave that. So yeah. what is that sacrifice <laughs> a good one or is it? Yeah. I believe God used it for good. Absolutely. That's I think he can take. use even the worst things and even people that are maybe not even Christians. He yes. can use those people mm -hmm. to send messages to you without a doubt when you need them. So, yes. Yeah. Happens in my life. Yeah. Here we are, chapter 24. So, thanks for joining in. By now, Balaam realized that God wanted to bless Israel. Wow, he finally got it through his head there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, he didn't work in any sorcery as he had done earlier. He turned and looked out over the wilderness. As Balaam looked, he saw Israel camped tribe by tribe. The Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke his oracle message. Decree of Balaam, son of Beor. Yes, decree of a man with 20-20 vision. Decree of a man who hears God speak, who sees what the strong God shows him, who falls on his face in worship, who sees what's really going on. What beautiful tents, Jacob. Oh, your homes, Israel. Like valleys stretching out in the distance, like gardens planted by rivers. Like sweet herbs planted by the gardener God, like red cedars by pools and springs. Their buckets will brim with water, and their seed will spread life everywhere. Their king will tower over Agag in his ilk, their kingdom surprisingly majestic. God brought them out of Egypt rampaging like a wild ox, gulping enemies like morsels of meat, crushing their bones, snapping their arrows. Israel crouches like a lion and naps. King of the beasts, who dares disturb him? Whoever blesses you is blessed, and whoever curses you is cursed. Balak lost his temper with Balaam. <laughs> I bet he did. He shook his fist. He said to Balaam, I got you in here to curse my enemies, and what have you done? You've blessed them. Blessed them three times. <laughs> Get out of here. Go home. I told you I would pay you well, but you're getting nothing from me, and you can blame God. <laughs> Balaam said to Balak, didn't I tell you up front when you sent your emissaries, even if Balak gives me his palace stuffed with silver and gold, I couldn't do anything on my own, whether good or bad, that went against God's command. I'm leaving for home and my people. But I warn you of what this people will do to your people in the days to come. Then he spoke his oracle message. I think Balak's about to get a little oh, more upset. He's about to get an eye opening here. <laughs> decree of Balaam, son of Beor. Decree of the man with 20-20 vision. Decree of the man who hears godly speech. Who knows what's going on with the high God. Who sees what the strong God reveals. Who bows in worship and sees what's real. I see him, but not right now. I perceive him, but not right here. A star rises from Jacob, a scepter from Israel, crushing the heads of Moab. 
the skulls of all of the noisy windbags. I see Edom sold off at auction, the enemy seer marked down at the flea market, while Israel walks off with the trophies. A ruler is coming from Jacob who will destroy what's left in the city. Then Balaam spotted Amalek and delivered an oracle message. He said, Amalek, you're in first place among nations right now, but you are going to come in last, ruined. He saw the Kenites and delivered this message to them. Your home is in a nice, secure place like a nest high on the face of a cliff. Still, you Kenites will look stupid when Asher takes you prisoner. Balaam spoke his final oracle message, doom. Who stands a chance when God starts in? Sea peoples, raiders from across the sea will harass Asher and Eber, but they'll also come to nothing, just like all the rest. Balaam got up and went home, and Balak also went on his way. There's a slight pause here from Eugene Peterson that says a vision of light and power in regards to this is all about chapter 24. Balaam described himself as the man with 2020 vision, as if his previous life had been lived in a religious fog and mist, and then suddenly, in the clear light of day, he saw God's purposes. What he saw in his vision was the Messiah, the Christ, God in human form working out his salvation in human history. His vision was still well over a thousand years before the actual historical event, yet he saw it clearly. Looking down the long vistas of history, remote yet clearly outlined against the horizon, he saw what God would finally do. Balaam used two images to describe what he saw, a star rising from Jacob and a scepter coming from Israel. The star was a representation of light, a scepter, a representation of power, light and power, the two symbols that would come to full expression in the life of Jesus Christ. You and I see this vision in much more detail than Balaam could have ever even guessed at, for we're in close touch with the gospel representations of Jesus as light and power. We see the real Jesus in those representations but do we really see him? Is he just a far-off distant vision the way that he was with Balaam? Or is he a present encounter? The gospel is concerned not with just enlightenment, but with encounter. Yes. Not with just our envisioning the light and power of God in Jesus Christ, but with our experiencing it. And in experiencing it, being transformed by it. And that was the end of chapter 24 in the little pause there. I loved it. Balaam, man, I mean, it had to have been a little bit scary for him because mm -hmm. here he is. He, I mean, he's surrounded with people that he's in all a foreign want, place now. And he and they all want him to say one thing, and he's like, yeah, I can only say what God's given me here. Yep. Like, I can't go against that. Right. But I would assume, like, he had to have feared for his life at some point or had that in the back of his head, like, this could end up with me being killed for mm -hmm. saying what I'm going to say. I'm angering a king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
And for him to be defiant in the way of, listen, don't you remember I told your emissaries? Like you could fill your palace with silver and gold. It doesn't mean a hill of beans to me. Right. I'm the mouthpiece for the most high God. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say anything that unless it's given to right. me by God. Right. I'm not cursing God's people. All right, friends. Now we're going to wrap up with Numbers chapter 25. And uh, we are finishing out here for the day. So here we go. While Israel was camped at Shittim, which is also known as Acacia Grove, the men began to have sex with the Moabite women. It started when the women invited the men to their sex and religion worship. They ate together and then worshipped their gods. Israel ended up joining in the worship of the Baal of Peor. God was furious, his anger blazing out against Israel. God said to Moses, take all of the leaders of Israel and kill them by hanging, Mm. leaving them publicly exposed in order to turn God's anger away from Israel. Moses issued orders to the judges of Israel. Each of you must execute the men under your jurisdiction who joined in the worship of Baal Peor. Just then, while everyone was weeping in penitence at the entrance of the tent of meeting, an Israelite man flaunting his behavior in front of Moses and the whole assembly paraded a Midianite woman into his family tent. Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw what he was doing grabbed his spear, and then followed them into the tent. With one thrust, he drove that spear through the two of them, the man of Israel and the woman, right through their midsections. That stopped the plague from continuing among the people of Israel. But 24,000 people had already died. God spoke to Moses. Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has stopped my anger against the people of Israel. Because he was as zealous for my honor as I myself am, I didn't kill all the people of Israel in my zeal. So tell him that I am making a covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants are joined in a covenant of eternal priesthood because he was as zealous for his God and made an atonement for the people of Israel. The name of the man of Israel who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, son of Salu, the head of the Simeonite family. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, daughter of Zer, a tribal chief of a Midianite family. God spoke to Moses, From here on, make the Midianites your enemies. Fight them tooth and nail. They turned out to be your enemies when they seduced you in the business of Peor and that woman, Cosby, the daughter of the Midianite leader, the woman who was killed at the time of the plague in that matter of Peor. Mm. And friends, that is the end of our reading today. I can't even imagine being that old. (laughs) Yeah, just blatant with your... But then, you know, while I'm saying that, I feel like God saying to me, you well you're blatant in your sin i know he says you same to me just do that when you know i'm right here yeah he's like right in front of me you do it right in front of me yeah so while it's very easy for us to turn our nose up at and and, oh i would never uh, uh, yes you you would (laughs) yeah you would and it may not look like that Mm mm-hmm your sin may be more socially acceptable than 
having some oh, religion orgy. Isn't that, you know, there's such a sadness in that it's more socially, socially acceptable. acceptable. Yeah. But it's just it's as sin. unacceptable before God. You're not living for sociable, social acceptability. No. That's no. a hard one. It's yeah. hard because we're human. We don't want to be the weirdo standing out of the crowd or the wet blanket or the, oh, always ruining a fun time. And I used to kind of see Christians were those wet blanket party mm. ruiners. And sure. I'm finding out that when you truly meet God and you truly walk in a relationship and have that desire to do so, there is a joy in it that like I almost feel giddy some days with the recognition of what I've been given. Mm, for sure. And it's freedom. And that was the biggest surprise to me when I came back home to God. The utter and complete freedom I felt because I really resisted the idea of being locked down again under yeah. church rules. So it's been absolutely beautiful to be able to experience the utter freedom in being a Jesus follower. I see that in you over the last three to four months has grown exponentially. Yeah. You living in that freedom. Uh, not saying that you weren't, uh, mm -hmm. you know, six, eight months ago, but in the last three to four months, I have just seen that transpire. I really, yeah. I've seen the change in you. I've seen the change in your attitude, the change in what you decide to spend your time on, the yeah. things that you're, you don't allow to ruffle your feathers anymore. Right. Because you are solid mm, in your purpose and yeah. uh, in your direction. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's remarkably not difficult to make the quote unquote sacrifice of giving up some old ways or old ways of seeing mm. things or thinking. And don't get me wrong. I... <laughs> I get hit with some tough days and that's part of being on the right path I'm finding. And I had a great conversation with somebody that reminded me of that. The devil is not going to waste his time with somebody who isn't walking the Jesus path. Right. But when you have your feet firmly planted on that path, Satan doesn't want you to keep going. He's going to try to knock you off that path. So mm -hmm. I truly have a profoundly different understanding of what joy and adversity means mm. because I see it as my God, my father in heaven is saying, throw it at her, throw it at yeah. my Heidi because I know she's going to keep going. And then she is going to use what I allowed her to learn from it and turn around and pour that into helping other people. And once I got that right, mm -hmm. sorry, God, it took me a <laughs> while. And I recognize that it's all him. Yeah. And I'm just stepping into what he has planned for me and into the person I was created to be. Yep. And it's like wearing the most comfortable, beautiful, amazing thing you have ever stepped into. Mm -hmm. It is, it's just an absolute joy. The questions that I had for the passages that we read in Numbers were, have you ever felt like you got a surprising direction or message just like Balaam did. Like, did you ever feel like, man, I've got this message. I've got this direction, but oh, yeah. 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 Heidi's Heidi, over there shaking her head. Heidi, yes. <laughs> you're going to be an ordained minister. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what? 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 God, this is 
Heidi Joe Waldheis. I just need to make <laughs> sure you've got the right person. A, I'm a woman. B, I've just recently come back home to you. And C, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> but I trusted. Yep. And I took a giant leap. So. And some of the things that you've had to say, whether it be to people or to uh, church groups or whatever, have been, some, for some of them, I think, hard to hear. Yeah, and that isn't that doesn't always come easy to somebody who just wants, can we just all get along? Can we just sit down and just hear each other out and have respect from where we're coming from? Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. I'm called to speak what God tells me to speak. And I am quickly recognizing that that means there's going to be people who aren't going to particularly be pleased with it. And it's because I love them. And it's because I love God and I want them to have what God has for them. And God's not going to give you the fullness of blessing until you get your life straightened out. You can find yourself in situations and doing things the way you've always been doing things, the way your parents have always done things and your grandparents and those before have always done it that way. And when the challenge comes that you need to stop doing things that way and turn it around in Mm -hmm. mirror Jesus it's not always received they can't argue back and that's one thing that I found because I expected these big arguments and that hasn't happened yeah because it's not me saying it because it's not that isn't my comfort zone in and of itself yeah but I'm very comfortable saying what God wants them to know because eternity is at stake and that's where that spiritual tug yes. of war comes in again, right? Oh, it's man. That, yeah, that I know. push and pull of... Yeah. Do I listen to God or do I say, oh, I just want them to like me? Sure. What if they don't like me? I'm not speaking my words. Yeah. And that's what God keeps telling me. You know, yeah. I'm going to get it one of these days. Yeah. You know, he can <laughs> He can stop saying it. But every day I get a reminder in some way from God saying, let me talk. Yeah. So I've got out of the way and I'm just going to trust him. So pray for me. (laughs) (laughs) And friends, as we're nearing the end here, I have to use this little bit of time as a shameless plug. Crossroads Run. That's right. We have a 2.5K walk, a 5K run, a 10K run. It's happening September 30th. Mm -hmm. It's uh, behind Ridgepoint Church in Holland, Michigan. But guess what? We have a virtual (gasps) option. Everyone can take part. Everyone can take part. If you want to be part of this event, I'm going to have the uh, event link down in the description and down in the comments. It is runsignup.com forward slash crossroads run. But the important thing is the discount code. It is CPM Charlie Paul Mary CPM 20. Oh, what does that get you? 20% discount off of your registration fee. Amazing. I have, I extended it just a little bit. So we have the pricing is good for the next week. The price increase happens September 14th at midnight. So it was my birthday gift to everyone here. You are so generous. (laughs) Um, But seriously, 
we would love for you to consider joining in, whether it's virtually or in person, then come hang out with us because we would love to see you. You get an event t-shirt, you get a finisher medal. We have somebody there to professionally time the event if you're there in person. If not, we encourage you to send your results into us. We would love to see photos of your journey and share your thoughts and go into it and think about those incarcerated and ask God to lead your mind where God wants your mind led when it comes to them. And maybe he will show you how you can be part of ministry towards them because there's a million ways you can be involved. The little tagline that we have for this run is called, it's hope in motion, Yes, right? And what we want this to be for people to understand is that we try to bring hope into the prisons Mm -hmm. through these Bible studies that we have. And for you to be a part of this with this run helps put that hope in motion. Yes. So this is, uh, yeah, it'd be a blessing to have you join mm-hmm. in and uh, we would love to see what happens on September 30th. Yes. So get it's signed up. Be- the, the link is going to be down in the description. We'd be happy to have you join in. So it's going to be a great day. Any other final thoughts before we sign off? Here? Oh, everybody is going, Oh no. Did he just give the mic back? to I did. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I just simply want to say, I hope everyone listening right here, right now, has a day full of blessings Mm. from God. I pray peace over you, blessings over you, Mm. and answers to those prayers you've been raising up to God. I don't know why it's hitting me there. There's someone, there's just someone that's going to understand what I needed to say that for, because I don't know why it just came out, but... Just know God sees you. Yes, he God sure sees does. You. He sure does. And on that note, friends, thank you. Thank you for choosing to spend a sliver of your day with us. I mean, we're just two people that are passionate about God, love reading through the Bible, and love sharing a little bit of our story and our personal journey with you to give you a little bit of hope. Because at the end of the day, that's the currency that really fills up the account mm. in your life that matters is that hope, the joy, the hope, grace, all of it is what makes up that life that is full in the freedom that is found in Jesus. So thanks so much, friends, for joining us on this journey through the message. It has been a little bit of a spiritual tug of war today. It has. uh, I really enjoyed seeing how that theme was played out in all of our chapters. So mm-hmm. thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your day. Be blessed and be a blessing yes. to someone else. Yes. So have a great day. Bye.